are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn with me back to Proverbs chapter number 3 tonight. Proverbs chapter number 3. And what I want to preach tonight is something that God has used throughout the week to be a help to me, and I'm praying it will be a help to you as well. Brother Bertram mentioned it, and it's right. Probably all of us can quote those two verses from memory. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I had prayed and prepared and outlined another message to preach tonight, and a preacher lives with his sermons, or at least he ought to live with his sermons. And I'd lived with a particular message for several days. I had preached through it to myself two or three different times. I, like I said, outlined it, had it finished, and had it in my Bible, and carried it Monday and Tuesday this week. But on Wednesday, I woke up, and as I got out of bed that morning, I had a chorus that seemed to be playing in my heart. I sang it to myself all that morning, and it just seemed like God wouldn't let me shake that chorus. I got ready to head to church, and as I prepared to come to church and got in my car, that chorus was in my mind, and I was singing that chorus in the car. As I drive, drove here and drove up on the property, I pulled into the uh, driveway of the property, and like I do every time, it just sort of draws your attention to it. Lincoln calls it the Eiffel Tower. He's talking about the steeple on top of our building. I don't even know where he learned that. But I always look at the front of the building, and as I drove on the property and looked at the front of our building, I sang that chorus. I got out of my car and walked into the office door on the back side of the building and went through the break room. And as I went through the break room toward where my office is, in my mind, that chorus was playing. We had a staff meeting on Wednesday morning. As I said in the staff meeting, that chorus was going through my mind, just kept going, cycling through my mind. I did two hours of radio after the staff meeting, and as I sat there alone in the radio studio down below where I stand right now, that chorus, though I was talking to people through the radio, it was on my mind. I just couldn't shake it. So I came up here into this auditorium. It was dark. I turned the lights on, and I took my Bible, and I opened it to Proverbs chapter number 3. I quoted the two verses that I quoted just a moment ago, and Brother Bertram read before that. And then I sang that chorus that God laid on my heart. It seemed like that chorus and these verses dovetailed together. And here in this big empty room, I began to preach the truth that I'm going to try to preach to you tonight. I'm praying that God will take that chorus and God will take this truth and he'll use it to help you like God used it to help me. In 1950, a man by the name of Sidney Cox that God used to write very, uh, many songs, he wrote the song that God helped me with this week. Mr. Cox was a ranking member of the Salvation Army, and his songs were used in many different citywide revival campaigns. He was addressing a church about 70 years ago, and here's a little bit of what he said. I'll read it to you, and then I'll get to preaching in just a moment. Just before we bring our message tonight, we're going to sing for you a little chorus. We've been writing songs for a good many years, and some of you know them probably quite well. Let me give you the words to one of them, and when you recognize it, I want you to raise your hand. He began to quote the chorus, and here it is. He said, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all I have to do is follow. 
He went on to say, now we wrote that little chorus in Dallas, Texas, and it's gone around the world. On the old-fashioned revival hour, they have two choruses. They work together, and those two choruses are Heavenly Sunshine and My Lord Knows the Way Through the Wilderness. We had a letter just a few days ago from the librarian at the Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. He was telling us in that letter that in a time of distress, in a time of trial, and in a time of testing, that Dr. Fuller was there at the seminary and had them sing this little chorus, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness over and over and over again. Now, a preacher made fun of me this morning and you're gonna have to hear me sing it tonight, but you know the chorus. You can sing it with me at home. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. In a time of trial, in a time of distress, and in a time of testing, that's the testimony of when Dr. Fuller had his faculty and had his students gather together and sing that song over and over and over again. Can you picture it in your mind as that seasoned preacher had his faculty and had his seminary students, those preacher boys, join together like a mighty choir and they sang, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. Over and over again they sang it, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow in a time of distress. They responded to distress by singing and testifying, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. In a time of trial, they stared that trial eyeball to eyeball and testified, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all we have to do is follow. In a time of testing, they made the testing a little less testing, if you will, and they sang that song and said, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. Now, I don't expect any kickback from this statement tonight, but I believe we've been in days of trial and days of testing and in days of distress. I preached a couple of Wednesday nights ago on what we're gonna do when we get through the wilderness. But the truth of the matter is tonight, we still find ourselves very much in the wilderness. We have distress over our finances. We've experienced trials of our faith. No doubt these are testing days for patience. And we're in days that we could aptly say are wilderness days. I went to the dictionary just to see what it would say about that word wilderness. And here's what the dictionary defines it as. A wilderness is a wild and uncultivated region, a forest or a desert, uninhabited or inhabited by wild animals, a tract of wasteland. The wilderness is not a very good place to be. For 40 years, Israel found themselves in a wilderness. For a season, David lived as a fugitive in a wilderness. Elijah found himself discouraged for a season in the wilderness. Even Jesus was taken and was tempted by the devil for a season in the wilderness. And that's sort of where we are tonight. And by the way, that's where we're going to be throughout the seasons of life. These are strange days and in every sense of the word, we are in a wilderness. But I want to give you tonight what God gave to me. I want to present to your heart what God put on my heart. I was considering our wilderness. It's sort of taken up most of my thoughts like it has all of you. I seem to spend more time as I meditate, meditating on this. And it seems like when I pray, I try not to, but my prayers get directed toward this. And it seems to consume a lot of our thinking, a lot of our meditating, a lot of our praying. And I found myself, as I thought about this situation that we're in, leaning toward fear and leaning toward frustration because in my flesh, I found myself 
myself begging God to let me make a way, let me direct my path, and let me lead my family, lead me, lead us, if you will, through this wilderness. In a way, what I was doing is I was begging God to let me make a way and get myself through. And as I was thinking that thought, God woke me up on Wednesday morning and immediately he put that chorus in my mind. Mr. Cox wrote it some 70 years ago and God used it in my life this week. The Holy Ghost to God rearranged the playlist of my life and he put that little chorus on repeat. I heard it all day long. I've sung it in the house this week. Lincoln started singing it. My wife sings it not as good as I do, but she's been singing it too. And we've just been singing it. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is follow over and over again. I heard it in my heart. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is follow. And all of a sudden it hit me like a bolt of lightning. My job, my duty, my expectation, my obligation is not a myriad of things. It's not a plurality of expectations. Rather, my duty, your duty, my job, your job, our job is not to make a way. It's not to understand it. It's not to devise the plan. Our job is to lean on God, to trust in God, have faith in God. And if we'll follow God, he will lead us through. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all, not some, but all I have to do is follow him. Proverbs is the wisdom book of the Bible. I always challenge almost every day our radio family. I've told my Sunday school class and tonight I'll say to our church every day, you ought to read Psalms and you ought to read Proverbs. I think I heard another preacher say something similar to that this morning. And here's why. The book of Psalms will help you with your worship. The book of Proverbs will help you with your wisdom. And if ever there were days where we needed both of those things in abundance, worship and wisdom, it's days like these days. You know, the world is running frantic trying to find wisdom, but my Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I'm glad the child of God knows where the well is that we can run to to draw out wisdom for days like this. Proverbs 3 gives us two of the most familiar verses in your King James Bible. Let's read it together. Verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Here Solomon gives us a plain prescription on how to get God in on guiding you through life. You see, every day you and I have a decision to make. We all have a path that we're going to travel, but we have to make a daily decision on who's going to lead us down the path of life. Lee Robertson said an indecisive life is a life of failure, and we've got to make a decision every day. You can take the stern if you want to and try to lead yourself and find ruin, or we can have faith in God, just trust in God, anchor in God, acknowledge God and let God direct our life. You have a choice. You can lean upon your flesh if you want to. And that's what I found myself doing. And ultimately you'll find yourself shipwrecked on the rocks of life. Or you can let go of the stern. Let God grip that thing and he'll pilot you through life. That's the promise. Here it is. The trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. 
paths. Can I say it again? My Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. Did you catch that? All I have to do, here's the word, is follow. So you say, what does that mean? What is it to follow? Well, following is not fretting. Following is not worrying. Following is not running hastily about trying to make something happen. Following is not outrunning God. So what is it? Following is not acting on emotion. It's not busting down doors that God didn't open. But what is it? Following is not making decisions based on somebody else's decision. It is not getting information from your own thoughts or being driven by your own agenda. So what is it? Well, here's what it's not. It's not going with the crowd. It's not voting with the majority. What is it? Following is not panic. Following is not fear. Following is not getting upset and doubting. Following is not expressing my opinion. It is not jumping to conclusions. You say, what is it? I don't, I'll tell you what it's not. Lot, it is not running towards Sodom. It is not Jonah taking a boat down to Tarshish. It is not Aaron making a golden calf. It is not Moses smiting the rock the second time. It is not Abraham running down to Egypt. It is not Elimelech sojourning in Moab. It is not Peter backsliding and saying, I go a fishing. So what is it? Well, it's right here. It's not real deep, but I think it can help us tonight. It's in our Bible. It's right here in this book. Here it is. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Hey, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Sometimes we get mad at God and say, why aren't you leading me? But the question ought to be, why aren't you following God? Following is not pushing providence. Following is not prodding providence. Following is not persuading providence to do what you want providence to do. But following is linking your cart to providence and letting God guide you through life. Our Lord knows the way. I don't know the way. I can't devise the way. I can't even make a way. But thank God I can rest my head on the soft pillow of that truth tonight that my Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I've got to do is follow. I will follow thee, my Savior, wheresoever my lot may be. Where thou goest, I will follow. Yes, my Lord, I'll follow thee. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Your job is singular. Your expectation is singular. Your obligation is singular. It's up to God to lead and up to us to just follow God. David said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Our part is to follow and God's promise is to lead us through life. So you say, what's my job? I'll say it again. What's my expectation? I'll say it again. Here it is. You are simply, and I am simply, to follow God. I think about the hymn we sing, simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus. That is all. The expectation of God for you and I is not to completely understand It's not to devise a plan. It's not to provide our own pathway forward. Listen, Moses, God doesn't expect you to part the Red Sea. He expects you to let him part the Red Sea. He doesn't expect you to shut the mouths of the lions, Daniel. He wants you to let him show himself powerful and shut the mouths of lions. Joshua, God's not going to have you knock down those walls. He just wants you to trust him and follow him by faith and let him knock down the walls. So how do we follow? We follow by faith. We follow by trusting. We follow by leaning upon the Lord and acknowledging him. And the chorus gets it right. Our Lord knows the way. And all we have to do is follow Noah. Just follow God. But I don't understand it. I don't even 
know what it means for rain and flood to come. What do you mean to build a big boat in the desert? I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't even have to like it. But if you want God's blessing, you better just follow God. Hey, Joseph, just follow God. I know you didn't plan on Egypt. You didn't plan on the pit. You didn't bet on Potiphar's or the prison. But can I say, our Lord knows the way. Hey, listen, you can't do it on your own. Just follow God. Can I say, Moses, hey, just follow God. I understand you're backwards. I understand you've got a checkered past. I know that you're a stutterer. But can I say, God's got a way through the wilderness. If you'll just resign yourself to rely on God, he can lead you to the other side. Hey, Abraham, I know that you don't understand it. And I know it doesn't make sense. I understand Abraham probably said, but God, you said you'd make me a great nation and you blessed me with the child of promise and now you want me to kill him on Mount Moriah. But Abraham, what you don't know is God's got a ram coming up the other side. All you have to do is follow and watch God make a way through the wilderness. Peter, just follow. Paul, just follow. Stephen, just follow. North Valley Baptist Church, our Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all we have to do is follow God. I plan to preach it on the message tonight and I've been preparing over it and preparing it and maybe I'll preach it again some other day. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go home and preach it to my wife tonight if she didn't watch me right now. But I want to report to us tonight our Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all we have to do is follow. I don't know the route. I don't know the way. I don't know how he's going to get us to the other side. All I know is he's going to get us to the other side. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's not just a salvation song. That ought to be a daily testimony of the child of God. Hey, listen, his way might lead us through Egypt land, but he still knows the way. His way might lead us through the wilderness, but he still knows the way. His way might lead you uh, through the prison house, but he does know the way. His way might lead you. His way might lead you through being cast out and stoned and run from town, Paul, but he does know the way. His way might lead you through Babylon in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I want you to know that he does know the way. He might lead you through Ahab and Jezebel, Elijah, but our Lord does know the way. He might lead you through the valley. He might lead you through the stormy waters. He might lead you through Gethsemane's garden, but I want you to know it doesn't change the fact our Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all we have to do is follow. It's a good day in our life when we understand you're not the tour guide, and I'm not the tour guide, and you're not the shepherd, and I'm not the shepherd, and I'm not the leader, and you're not the leader. He's the tour guide. He's the shepherd. He's the leader. And my job is simply to follow. I'm not the tour guide. God is. I don't get us through the wilderness. God does. I'm not the way maker. God is. I'm not the one who parts the Red Sea. God is. I don't know the route, but he leadeth me. He leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he not might but shall direct thy paths. God's my path maker. God's my path router. God's my path charter. My job is to follow him. Now that makes pretty good sense to me. You know why? Because he's already been there before anyhow. I'd much rather follow somebody down the road who's already been down the road. And I'm glad you'll never go anywhere that God hadn't already been. 
The Bible tells me the one who directs my path, the one who devises my plan is God, but I can get in on that when I simply resolve to follow him. Our Lord knows the way and all I have to do is follow. That means God's omniscient. That means he knows all about it. That means he's already seen this situation come. He's already seen it happen and he's already seen it go in the infinite mind of God. That means God knows the way and wherever we're headed, he's been there before. He knows the way. He knows the route. He knows the twist. He knows the turns. He he knows the stops. He knows the slowdown spot. He knows the pitfalls. He knows the snares. And he knows how to take us to the other side. He leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. Oh, words with heavenly comfort rod. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. We think that we know the way. And if you were going to be honest with me, you'd say, yep, I feel like I know the way. But I'm going to go ahead and bust my bubble, and I'm going to bust yours in the process. You don't know the way. And I don't know the way. I don't know how to make life's decisions. I don't know how to settle financial trouble. I don't know how to work out the loss of a job. I don't know how to comfort a grieving family. I don't know how to encourage somebody who's discouraged. I don't know how to make all these decisions when I come to the fork of life's road. But the blessed news is you don't have to know how to do any of that. He knows how to do all that. All you have to do is follow. I don't know the way through death, but thank God he's been there before. He knows the way. I don't know the way through heartache, but thank God he's been there before and he knows the way. I don't know the way through tragedy, but he's been there before and he knows the way. I don't know the way through financial reversal, but you can trust God that he's been there before and he knows the way. I don't know the way through legal issues, but thank God he's been there before and he knows the way. I don't know the way through the unexpected events of life, but God has been there before. I don't know how to jump through political hoops, but God has been there before. I don't know the way, but God knows the way. I'm not required to know it. Boy, God used that in my life this week. I've been singing that from Wednesday until this afternoon and then right before I preached upstairs in the Sunday school teacher's meeting room. And we've been singing it at home. And my wife's been singing it. And Lincoln sings the last couple words of each line. And our house has echoed. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. I don't know it. But all I have to do is follow. Reminds me of the old cow that kept staring at the stone wall. And a man asked the farmer, why is that cow staring over the wall? And he said, because he can't see through it, so he just looks over it. And can I tell you, that's how it is with us in life. When we try to make our own way through, it's like staring at a stone wall. But if we just look up, can I say, that's where the one is who can let us see the way through and make a way. Let me give you three statements. What is following? Let me define it for you, and we'll go to the house. Number one, what is following? First, it's right here. We're just going to use the Bible. Would that be all right tonight if we just use the Bible? Let's just use the Bible. I didn't bring my journal with me, or I'd use that. So I'll just have to use the Bible. Well, I can't help but meddle every message. But anyway, what is following? First, it is this, trusting with all thine heart. What does that mean? Faith totally resting in the Lord. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That phrase does not denote so much the strength of our faith, but the sincerity of it. The Bible defined that as faith unfeigned. 
That word trust means reliance on the integrity, the strength, the ability of a person or a thing. It means confidence. So you can say it like this. I saw one commentator, and by the way, a commentator is just that, a commentator, just a man. But this is what the commentator said. He said, that word right there, with all thine heart, means to totally stretch yourself out with your face on the ground before God. And I like that. That means relinquishing all you have, total reliance upon him. That is confiding in him, clinging to him, and, and having confidence in him. In Bible terminology. What is trusting? Simply this. Trusting God, that means faith. What is faith? Here it is. Faith is dependence upon God. Now we always like to make the statement faith is the victory, but that's not true. Faith in and of itself does not bring victory whatsoever. It's what you have faith in that brings the victory. A lot of folks have faith that don't have any victory and that's because they're anchoring their faith in things that cannot produce victory. Every day you have to make a decision. God has given all of us a measure of faith that's in the Bible and what that means is you have your little bit of faith, whether it be a grain of mustard seed or more, it's enough to move a mountain but you have to decide every day what you're going to deposit your faith in. You choose what bank if you want to deposit your faith in. Every day you can make a decision. Today I'm going to deposit my faith in the stock market. That doesn't bring victory. I'm going to deposit my faith in my physical health. That won't bring victory. I'm going to deposit my faith in another person. That will not bring victory. I'm going to deposit my faith in a political leader. That will not bring victory. I'm going to deposit my faith uh, in the, uh, uh, the economy or in the weather or whatever it is. That does not bring victory. What brings victory? It's not just faith, but it's the anchoring place of our faith. It is the shelf that we set our faith upon. It's the resting place of faith. And Here's the way. You say, I want God to lead me through life. I need God's direction. I can't see my way through the wilderness. Well, let me ask you, have you chosen every day to take that little bit of faith you might have and deposit it in a great big God? Hey, you can trust God. You can rely on God. You can have faith in God. Trusting is faith resting in the Lord like a man who's crossing a big chasm or a big gulf and he sees a swinging bridge. He doesn't think about the soundness. He doesn't second guess the sturdiness. He just steps out totally. He's not just leaning. He is standing on that bridge. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about standing on the promises of God that God can see us through, that God has all power, that God knows what's best, that God can meet the need. What is faith? It is What is trust or following? It is taking our faith and totally resting it in the Lord. Our God is dependable, by the way. I like this quote that I read. Thinkest thou that the arm which piled the heavens and sustains the pillars of the earth shall ever be palsied? Shall the brow which eternal ages have rolled over with scathing it at last be furrowed by old age? What? Shall the eternal fail thee? Shall the faithful promiser break his oath? Thou dishonorest God, O unbelief. Get thee hence. God is too wise to err, too good to be unkind. Leave off doubting him and begin to trust him. Can I say faith in God changes the odds? Faith in God, it, it changes the perspective. It can calm the seas of life and it lessens the severity of the battle. It stills the wind and cools the fire and softens the stony places. You need to follow God. I've got to follow God. He knows the way. What's it mean to trust? Take your faith and totally rest it in the Lord. Number two, what is faith or what is following? I'm sorry. What is following? Secondly, it's right here in the text. It's leaning upon the Lord. Or we could say it like this. Following is faith acting according to God's leadership. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now watch what it says. And lean not under thine own understanding. 
A guide does not carry his follower through the wilderness. The guide goes before, clears a path, but it's up to the follower to follow the guide. Faith is not a static thing. Faith is not a stagnant thing. Faith is not a still or a stationary thing. Faith is action. What do I mean? I mean following God is more than lip service. It's more than just surrender that's stationary. It's stepping forward, not with your own understanding, but stepping out in faith and confidence in God that he can lead us through. Leaning is self-surrender. Leaning is mortifying your members every day. Leaning is crucifying the flesh. Leaning is putting off the old man and putting on the new man. What is leaning on the Lord? It is banishing my carnal confidence and shredding that out for spiritual, supernatural guidance from the Holy Ghost of God. What is leaning? It's admitting to the Lord, my mind is limited, my power is limited, my wisdom is limited, but his isn't, and I need him to guide me through. It wasn't Moses' rod, the part of the Red Sea, it was God getting in at the part of the Red Sea. It wasn't Jacob's wit that made him a prince, it was God's touch that made him a prince. It wasn't David's sling that killed Goliath, are you crazy? It was God's power that slew the giant. It wasn't Samson's muscular strength. It was the spiritual strength he received from God that brought the temple down. It wasn't Peter's voice or Paul's pen, but the power of God that got in that voice and got in that pen that made them so effective. If they were left to themselves, Moses would have been a failure, uh, 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 Joshua would have been a failure, Paul and Peter would have been a failure, but they got God in on what they were doing. Why? They realized they were insufficient, but thank God he's more than sufficient, and they leaned not on their own understanding, but leaned on God. When I was growing up, we'd go fishing. My grandfather would take us trout fishing. And in West Virginia, the mountain streams run, and at certain times the water's really high and quick. And being a young man, you don't want to admit that you're nervous about it, so you just, you just do it. And I remember we called him Papa. Papa would lead the way. And he'd get out halfway into that creek or that river, and we'd still be on the bank still testing it out, you know. Finally, we'd venture out into that water but we didn't just go at it haphazardly. You know what we did? We watched where he stepped. And we watched the path that he laid out for us in that stream. Because Papa had gone that way before. He'd been fishing those streams since he was our age. And he knew where the rocks were. And he knew where the holes were. And the moment we quit following his leadership, we'd stumble every time. But eventually we'd catch up to him because he'd fish, he used to aggravate us so much. We'd, he'd, he'd fish four hours in one little spot. And I, I fish four seconds. If I don't catch anything, I'm ready to go to the next spot. But we would catch him. And once we caught up to Papa, my little brother and I, we'd grab onto his waders. And when he walked, we walked with him, but we held on to him. What were you doing? We were needing his strength. He could stand against the current we couldn't hardly stand against. He could hold us up when we were about ready to stumble. And so we learned quickly, not just to follow him by saying, we're coming behind you, but we had to get hold of him and trust him to hold us up because there were gonna be things that came against us that we weren't strong enough to stand against. But thank God he'd been that way before and all, and all of those times crossing that stream has strengthened him. He was stronger than we were. And thank God he could lead us to the other side. 
Think about this. Job could not navigate his loss had he leaned on himself. He didn't make a decision to have faith in God in the ash heap. He'd made that decision before the ash heap, and that's how he made it through. Mary would have been crippled by fear had she leaned on herself. Can you imagine the scrutiny, the scandal? She would have had to make a decision to have faith in God before the angel said, you're going to have a baby, even though you've not known man. Joshua would have attacked Jericho and lost had he gone about it his own way. But thank God Joshua had enough sense to have faith in God and say, God, your way is probably better than us, and I'm just going to depend on you to knock the walls down. We sing the song all the time, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Probably the greatest sin that I commit is how often I try to do things independent from God. And can I say what will kill our church, your, your, your marriage, your ministry quicker than anything else as a Christian is when we set out, set ourselves to endeavor to do something and don't get God in on it. And we don't lean on Him. What's following, number three here, it is following, thirdly, is simply this, acknowledging. Or we could say it like this, it's faith declaring the Lord is Lord. Paul testified, he said, that I may know him. What's that mean? He's saying this, if Jesus were the water, were water, I'd drink the cup full. If Jesus were a banquet table, I'd eat everything on the table. If Jesus were a garment, I'd wrap myself from shoulder to foot. If Jesus were the atmosphere, I'd breathe into like it hold no more. I won't act without his okay. I won't, I won't move without his guidance. In everything I do, he's going to be my consultant. He'll be my counselor. What is he saying? He said, in everything I do, I want to have the acknowledgement of God in my life. So what is acknowledging? I said, it's this faith declaring. It's faith declaring this. He's worthy. It's faith declaring this. He's good. It's faith declaring this. He's wise. He's powerful. He's in control. He knows best. And that he can. Acknowledging his faith with gratitude and faith with things giving and faith with adoration and faith with humility. It's like Ezekiel said in the valley of dry bones. I, I think probably the first year of my ministry I preached Ezekiel 37 probably every time I preached. I mean, I just wanted to, even if it wasn't on that, I'd run to that valley of bones and say, man, I want to see those dead, dry, disjointed, uh, divided, departed bones. I want to see them live again. And God comes to that preacher and he said, Ezekiel, see all these bones. This might not be King James, but forgive me. You see all those bones there in that bone yard? I see them, God. You think they can live? And I like what he says, Lord God, thou knowest. What's he doing? He's acknowledging God. He's saying, God, I'm limited. God, I can't see the way. God, I I don't know how, but I know you know all about it. And what happened? The dead bones lived again in all thy ways. Little things, big things, major things, menial things. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. When you're overwhelmed, acknowledge that he's not overwhelmed. When you don't have power, acknowledge that he still has power. When you can't see the way, acknowledge that he has the way. Acknowledge that he's God. You're not God. He's powerful. You're not powerful. He's been there before. You've not been there before. And by leaning and following and acknowledging, we have the promise that God will direct our steps through life. Amen. When it comes to your job, you better acknowledge God. Well, I could make more money over there, but is God in it? When it comes to your marriage, or if you're a college student, who are you going to marry? You better acknowledge God. Is God for it? When it comes to your health decisions, acknowledge God. When it comes to what college you're going to go to, you better acknowledge God. When it comes to the money that God's blessed you with, you better acknowledge God. I'd be stuck in the wilderness, and we'll stay stuck in the wilderness unless we resolve to acknowledge God. 
I grew up, and I've already referenced the outdoors, but I, I had a friend that in West Virginia where I grew up invited me to go bow hunting at his home, and I'd never been there before. And the hunt in the, in the morning time, you're going to get out early before daylight. can't see anything. And my friend, we were in high school, he told me, now don't worry, he said, I've marked the trail. I cleared it for you yesterday. He said, you just go until you see this orange tape around this certain tree. When you see that, cut off into the woods. And he said, you'll find a trail. I said, no, don't get off that trail. Stay on that trail. And follow it, and it'll get you to where your stand is to hunt today. And I remember I was scared to death, to be honest with you. And I walked out there, and every single thing that made a sound was a grizzly bear. It just was. Scared, it's scary. And all of a sudden, I remember how it thrilled my soul to see that orange tape on that tree. Because I'd never been there before. And every tree looked like a serial killer. And every sound sounded like, like, a, like a grizzly bear. And all of a sudden, I saw that orange tape, and I thought, he's been here before. He knows this place. Like the back of his hand. It's his property. He's been here. And I followed that. And would you know, he cleared that thing out almost like carpet. I mean, no leaves. He raked it perfectly all the way to that stand so I wouldn't make any noise. And i tell you what it did. It, I traded out fear for confidence, if you will. Felt pretty comfortable because every step I took, it was a reminder because I was following that. He knew the way through the wilderness. I don't have to cut my own path. He cut it for me. And I had to make a decision when I saw that first piece of tape. Will I follow it? Right now... We're still there. I preached two Wednesday nights ago, and what do we do when we get to the other side? We're not on the other side yet. Yeah. Kind of looked like we were getting on the other side and then uh, had a little bit of a setback, and pretty soon we will get on the other side. Right. We're still in the wilderness. Yeah. But that's okay because here's what I know. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all North Valley Baptist Church has to do is follow. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.